Amen. It's good stuff. If you were a little bit late coming in, you might have noticed there's some candy and there's some white uh, little squares on your chairs, squares on your chairs. Uh, you can grab those squares uh, and if you get a little bored in the next few minutes, that's okay. I won't be offended. You can start to write uh, on that square a note to one of our campers, uh, our teens that are heading to camp this week. And it's just a chance to write us a word of encouragement to them to say, hey, your church is behind you. We believe in you. We're praying for you this week. If you know someone specifically that you want to write, that's cool too. Just put their name on the outside and you can write a note in, as well in that. There's some bowls in the back that you can put those in and, or you can just, if you're just feeling super lazy today, just leave it right on the chair and we'll come and get it. That's okay. We'll be fine with that. And then the candy, we have reached the point in the service that if there is candy beside you uh, that has not been claimed, it's yours. All right? So grab that candy around you. It's, we're at the movies uh, this last month, and I love uh, candy and uh, popcorn and all kinds of things at the movie, the Icy's, if you will. So grab those. Uh, we're going to jump into a movie in a second. But I want to uh, start off this morning with the word of the Lord. So if you have your Bible, your app with you, open that up right now to Ephesians chapter 5. I'm going to read some, passage, uh, some scripture from there. Ephesians 5, and we're in the NLT, the New Living Translation is what I'm reading, and it'll be on the screen for you to help you along. It says this, imitate God, therefore, in everything you do, because you are his dear children. Live a life filled with love, following the example of Christ. He loved us, and he offered himself as a sacrifice for us, a pleasing aroma to God. Let there be no sexual morality or impurity or greed among you. Such sin has no place among God's people. Obscene stories, foolish talk, and coarse jokes, these are not for you. Instead, let there be thankfulness to God. You can be sure that no more impure or greedy people will enter in the kingdom of Christ and of God. For a greedy person is an idolater, worshiping the things of the world. Don't be fooled by those who try to excuse those sins, for the anger of God will fall on all who disobey him. Don't participate in the things of the, that these people do. For once you were full of darkness, but now you have the light from the Lord. So live as people of light. For this light within you produces only what is good and right and true. Carefully determine what pleases the Lord. Take no part in worthless deeds of evil and darkness. Instead, expose them. It's shameful even to talk about the things the ungodly people do in secret. But their evil intentions will be exposed when the light shines on them. For the light makes everything visible. This is why it is said, Awake, O sleeper, rise from the dead, and Christ will give you light. So be careful how you live. Don't live like fools, but like, like those who are wise. Make the most of every opportunity in these evil days. Don't act thoughtlessly, but understand what the Lord wants you to do. Don't be drunk with wine, because that will ruin your life. Instead, be filled with the Holy Spirit, singing psalms and hymns and spiritual songs among you, and making music to the Lord in your hearts. And give thanks for everything to God the Father in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ. Amen. This morning's uh, movie is a movie. I, I'm gonna. I'm interested to see how many have seen it. The Secret Life of Walter Mitty. Did anyone? It was. It's about a year and a half old. Did anyone see that movie? Ben Stiller. He has some hit or misses. I'm gonna try to catch you up a little bit on on what where we're at and the characters and stuff. It's okay if you haven't seen it. 
But Walter Mitty is uh, our, our main character, Ben Stiller. There's a picture of him there. And uh, he works as a negative asset manager for Life Magazine. So he handles the negatives there at, at Life Magazine. And at first observation, Walter doesn't really have kind of much of a life. A lot of things going on. There's kind of this very quiet world that he lives in. In fact, at the very beginning of the movie, you see that he is interested in a girl from work. Her name is Cheryl. Uh, and I think it's Kristen Wiig. Kristen Wiig is her name, the actress. Uh, he's interested in Cheryl, but he, he doesn't have the, the, the courage to go and to talk to her or to connect with her. And so he joins eHarmony so that because he heard that she was on eHarmony, and so that's the way that he, he wants to go about. But he had some trouble. I think there was a wink that you can leave for someone on eHarmony, but you can wink at someone. But he had some trouble with wink, in winking at Cheryl, and so that's where we pick up this, this first scene in the movie. So as you can tell, Walter is a bit of a daydreamer. And this is one of many daydreaming scenes. That wasn't real, by the way. He didn't really jump into the building. Uh, there's many daydreaming scenes that he has in the movie, and uh, one of them, he's this Arctic man. He comes out of the, the ice, and he has a poetry-reading falcon uh, that uh, isn't there to impress Cheryl. Another scene, couple scenes, he, he's wanting to, to really express himself to his boss and say something, but doesn't have the, the guts to say it, and then he just kind of visualizes himself getting in this, this kind of epic battle with his boss, and uh, that's, that's one of the scenes from that. But he, he's a daydreamer. Have you ever dreamed before? Have you ever daydreamed? Do you find yourself zoning out? And when he daydreams, he totally zones out. He is just out of it. Uh, have you ever dreamed before? Might need to go back a few years to when you were young. Did you dream about things or want things? Or maybe if, if I could just have wish for things. You know, so I thought about this and uh, it kind of evolved through the years for me. Definitely when I was younger, I, I wanted to do different things. I wanted to have different things. When I was about eight years old, I saw a trampoline at Megan Titus's house and said, that is what I want. I want a trampoline more than anything else in the whole entire world at about eight. Well, about 12 years old, I wanted to be jumping on the trampoline, holding Megan Titus's hand because she had blonde hair and blue eyes. And so dreams kind of change. I wanted it. I remember dreaming about Reebok pumps. And if I could just have Reebok pumps and pump, 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 then I'll be able to dunk or do different things. You remember those? There was a guy by the name of Skilo in the 90s. I'll be impressed if you know this. He, uh, he wrote a song. I wish I was a little bit taller. I wish I was a baller. I wish I had a girl who looked good. I would call her. I wish I had a rabbit in a hat. I don't know the rest of that part. Skilo wishes he had another hit because that was it for him. Uh, <laughs> That was, he was a one-hit wonder, and it was a memorable song. Every time I hear that, I wish it was, I wish, I think of Skilo. So there, thank you, Skilo. Uh, but maybe you wish for different things along the way. Maybe you dreamed about having different things. Uh, there was a survey done, and people just asked, you know, asked that random question, what do you wish for? What do you wish you could do or have? And some people answered this, adults, travel the world, win the lottery, of course. That was number one for a lot of people. Lose five pounds so I can buy the new swimsuit that I want. Be completely debt-free. Rebuild some broken relationships. Get some time off. Be accepted into grad school. Meet my future husband. Take my wife to Hawaii. Go back in time. Survive my grandkids. Uh, that my family were still whole again. 
I wish that I could get pregnant. I wish that I could get along with my sister. I wish that I could raise the money for the adoption that we've been wanting and hoping for. I wish that I could stop and just smell the roses in life. Uh, maybe there's some of the things that resonated with you. Have you ever hoped, have you ever dreamed and wanted for someone else? Like you just wanted something so badly for someone. I've got a friend who I cannot mention his name over the podcast airwaves, but I want so badly for him to meet the person that he could spend the rest of his life with, that he wouldn't be so alone in life, that he would, that he would find that special person. And maybe that's, that's not in the cards, but that's, I want so badly for that for him. Or maybe you want someone to, to, to realize and understand that God really loves them and that God has an amazing purpose and a plan for their life, and you want that so badly for them. Or maybe there's some other things that you just hope and want for other people, maybe for your kids, for people that you know. Have you ever thought about this question? I wonder if God dreams for us. I wonder if God ever wants and hopes and, and desires things for you. Hmm. Now, the passage we read a second ago, Ephesians 5.10 says this, figure out what pleases God and do it. Figure out what pleases God and do it. Pretty simple. Pretty simple. Figure out what pleases God and do it. What, so that starts us off with the question, what pleases God? What pleases God? How do we, how do we know what pleases God? I, uh, I, I think I'm okay in confessing this. Uh, my wife and I are the worst we're not, we're not the worst, but we're not very good gift givers, okay? That's not our love language is gift giving. And I am so thankful that I'm equally yoked in that department uh, because there's just like no pressure in the gift giving department, okay? I know guys, you don't have, and everyone shares this, ladies, you don't share, it's just like totally the weight is off on the gift giving, all right? But there are some times uh, where we just hit it out of the park as far as, what gifts we can give each other. This week was my birthday. Thank you for some of those uh, Facebook messages and whatnots. Birthdays to me, if you didn't know, it's okay. Uh, I kind of am at that point in life where I'm just kind of trying to not acknowledge birthdays, if you will. But awesome day. Great time, quality time with family. Got, Melanie made sure that I had time to play golf in the day. We went to a, a cool new restaurant, and I got a gift card of something I really needed. Perfect gift. That is just like the best birthday ever for me. My wife knows me. Isn't it great when someone knows you like that, that you just know each other, and, and, and it's a relationship that you just had that connection? That's the kind of relationship that God wants from us, that we would know him and, and spend time with him enough. How do we do that? We do it through his word. We do it through quality time with God, where we are connecting with him, and, and our hearts are aligning, and our heads are aligning. There's this verse, Romans 12, 1 and 2, it talks about how we should offer our bodies as living sacrifices, and that we should not be conformed any longer to the patterns of this world, but be transformed by the renewing of our mind. Our minds are full of all kinds of things. We need to reset our minds, almost like a computer, to the mind of Christ so that we can know his will for our life and what he wants us to do in that. And that first couple of verses in Ephesians, the message version, which is like a paraphrased version, it says this in 1 and 2. Here's what God wants us to do. Watch what God does, and then you do it like children who learn proper behavior from their parents. Mostly what God does is love you, 
Keep company with him and learn a life of love. Observe how Christ loved us. He, his love was not cautious, but extravagant. That's a great verse. He didn't love in order to get something from us, but to give everything of himself to us. Love like that. God tells us this thing, follow me like a father, learn from me, become more like me. We think as a church, there's some things that God wants us to do as, as a people. We think that this whole thing about aligning our lives to be like Christ, that is our call, one of the purposes that we should, should be as Christ followers as a church. We think, I personally think, that if God had a DVR, that he would DVR all those remodel and remake shows that are on TV, especially the house, because he loves when things are broken and kind of throwaways, and he takes them and makes them amazingly new and awesome. Again, that's, he's in that business. He's in the restoring the broken business, and that's what we should be in as well, restoring broken lives and hearts and homes and people, and that's what God is about, and that's what we should be about as well. We believe that we should live in community. You heard a little bit about it earlier. That's a call that God wants in our lives, that we share our lives with other people, that we glorify him, that we praise him, not just in this room, but in every room that we're in. It's everything that we do with your job, with your, the way you play sports, the way you go to school, the way you live life should be a chance to worship him in everything that we do. That we're revealing him. We want to reveal God to the world. Now, there's a difference, though, in knowing what God wants for us, knowing what his hopes and dreams for our lives are, and actually doing them, right? You remember when that, that makeover show, Extreme Home Makeover, was on a lot? That was, it, I had a love-hate relationship with this show. I loved it, first of all, because Ty was like the coolest guy on TV at the time, uh, and they would come into these homes and, and lives of people. You'd find out about their lives, and they would totally renew the house and just make it into this dream house for a family that they would always have an amazing story. The hate part is that, that I knew at some point I was going to cry uh, in the show and kind of hated that, but liked it at the same time. So it was this kind of thing there. Uh, great show. They would always, at the end of the thing, they'd say, you know, move that's bus. You remember that? Bus moves, awesome house, family goes crazy. It's great. You have these amazing feelings when you're watching this. Study was done on this show, okay? The endorphins that you feel, the feelings that you have in watching this show, okay, are the same that if you actually participated on the project, okay? You tracking with me? This is a little scary for us. It was like we actually participated in helping someone. But the problem is, we didn't help anybody. We experienced in a virtual way. I am, I'm being pretty convicted lately uh, about, maybe you're joining me in this and maybe you're rolling your eyes at me, but I've been pretty convicted about texting and driving lately. I know, I know, I know that I shouldn't, okay? Are you with me? I know that I shouldn't find things or scores or text a quick message, hit the light or whatever. I know that it's not good. I know that it can be harmful. I know that awful. I've had these moments where I've like, where's the last 10 seconds gone? And what would have happened if this and this and this? And it scares you to death. I know that. And yet, I still find myself doing that. Are you with me? Okay. 
there's a book that just keeps, you know how books just keep popping up? Even though you've read them, you just kind of go back to them. There's a book that's just been, a couple of years ago, a Christian atheist, Craig Rochelle, highly recommend it. And I just, every time I even see the title, I get convicted. The, the title alone, if you think about it, it, you're maybe wondering what in the world is this book about? It's, it's basically this, Christian atheist, what he's getting at here is this. You believe that God exists, but you act like he doesn't. So you say you believe, but you act like he doesn't. And he, he quotes some of these things. Three out of four people believe in God. Seven out of ten believe in Jesus. He was the son of God and that he was, uh, died on the cross. But do seven out of ten people live that way? And there's these titles. Man, they're so convicting titles. It says this in, in, the, in the, the book. I believe in God, but I'm not really sure if he loves me. I believe in God, but I don't believe in prayer. I believe in God, but I won't forgive others. I believe in God, but I, I, I don't think I can change. I believe in God, but I still worry all the time. I believe in God, but I trust more in money. I believe in God, but I don't share my faith. Whew. Just hearing those. I think God wants us to move from the virtual to reality, from virtual to reality in our lives, to, to knowing to, to doing. For Walter Mitty, he lived this life of a daydream, and he was stuck in this secret world that he wished could be different, he imagined could be different. Now, the storyline of the movie goes this way. He's a, the negative asset manager. He's in charge of the film. They had this superstar photographer, and this guy is super old school. Uh, actor is, remember Spic- Spicoli? I think his name Sean Penn. Getting that right? That's way before my time, by the way. Uh, but uh, Sean Penn is this photographer, and he, is, he travels the world, and he takes these great pictures for Life magazine. And Life magazine is going out of business, the, as far as the actual printed copy of the magazine. They're going to online. Seems very relevant to what's happening today. And so they, the, the group comes in and says, we're closing everything down, and Sean sends a, a message he sends a message that I've got this amazing, first of all, he gives, he gives Walter a gift because he's been working with Walter for years. Walter has been handling the, the, the pictures. He gives him this gift. It's a wallet. And inside of the, the wallet, there is this, the, the actual theme or the mission of Life magazine. And I want to share that with you. It says this. I don't know if you can read it. It says, to see the world, things dangerous to come to, to see behind walls, to draw closer, to find each other and to feel. That is the purpose of life. So inside of this reel of film, this, this, he says, on here, on this reel, there's one picture that is the quintessence, the quintessential picture of life, number 25. And this should be considered for the cover. This would be the last cover of Life magazine. They open the roll up, but they can't find picture number 25. They can't find picture number 25. So because he doesn't have a cell phone, they can't get in touch with him. This, this Walter Mitty character, he begins to, to find clues of where maybe Sean is in the world. And finally, he links him to Greenland. And he has to begin to, to make some choices because Walter's never done anything. He's never gone anywhere. You heard that at the beginning. So now he has some choices. Is he going to make what he sees in his mind become a reality. We paired two clips together, so they're, they're a little choppy, but back to back here. Ephesians 5, 15 uh, and 17 says this, uh, make the most of every opportunity in these evil days. Make the most of every opportunity. Make 
in the uh, NIV, make the most of your time. Now, the Greeks, they had two words for time, chronos and kairos. Chronos and kairos. Now, chronos would sound familiar. It, chronological order, chronos, it kind of, that's where we get the word. And it means chronological time that can measure the past, present, and future. And it's quantitative. So make the most of, every time, of your time. But that's not what this verse is, is really talking about. Because this is talking about seconds and minutes and, and hours and days. And this week, having a birthday, and I'm kind of in the middle of life, uh, I checked out a website. They have life expectancy for different you know, parts of the world. I don't know if you know that you had this site. But in America, it's about 76. But they actually have this uh, by states. Uh, and so depending on the states, depending on your age expectancy, male, of course, women live longer, for like many years longer, like six years longer than, than guys do. But some disturbing thoughts, though. Second from the bottom, Alabama. Uh, and it's like three or four years difference. And then like halfway up the list, South Carolina, these are states where I was born and then lived. Texas is about halfway, 76 guys uh, for us. Uh, the, the, the state that you'll live the longest if you're a guy. Any guesses? That would be a good one. Minnesota. Minnesota, which... I was wondering the question, how long do you have to actually live there to be eligible for the life expectancy for that state? Now, that's kind of measured time. And we think about, if you think about James 4, when it says like your life is, is like a vapor and you only have so much time and, and, and don't count on tomorrow because it's not guaranteed. That's kind of what we're talking about, the chronos time there. But in this verse, it's the other word. It's kairos. Now, kairos, it doesn't mean quantitative time, but it's a little different. It's a moment that can define the past, present, and future. It's a qualitative moment, a life-changing moment that happens for us. Uh, now, you see these uh, kairos moments uh, in something as simple as sports. If you watch, I've been watching a little bit more soccer these days. There's a kairos moment in every soccer game, as I've noticed, and it's usually the game-winning goal. And everything's building up to that moment, and everything is affected by that moment, and goal! And that's what you remember. Super Bowl last year, forgotten all of the Super Bowl, but what do you remember about last year's Super Bowl? The last play. Sorry, Paul. He's from Seattle. And they called a slant instead of running the ball. I don't remember anything else, but I remember that was the, that was the Kairos moment of that game. And we've had Kairos moments in, in, in our lives as well, moments that are defining moments, the moments that we remember that shape our lives and send us in di different directions. Tim Kill says this in his book about leadership. He says that a Kairos moment is, is if, if God is hovering over the chaos of life, and calling forth life to come forth from there. It's these defining moments. And as I've looked back on my life, I've thought this week about some defining moments. Maybe you can think about some biggies that you've had through the years. What are some defining, like just moments? You've forgotten a lot of things, but you remember this moment. I remember moving when I was moving from Alabama to South Carolina when I was 12 years old. And I thought this was, oh, it seemed like a horrible decision but it turned out to be one that really shaped the rest of my life. Other things, where I went to school, who, who I married, kids, all of these things that come up, there's some biggies that, there, that are there. 
There's also some moments along the way that are kind of kairos moments that we remember that, that shape us in, into different places. The Bible talks about these kairos moments in the New Testament, and they're kind of all pointing toward one ultimate moment in the New Testament. It's mentioned like 80 times this word is in the New Testament. And Paul points to it, and Jesus talks about it. Remember when it says, my time, my kairos, has not come yet. You remember those verses? Or he would say like, it's almost time. It's almost the, the kairos moment, almost the defining moment. And what is he talking about? He's talking about the cross. He's talking about the, the, him being crucified, but then raised from the dead. That is the defining moment of, of the word and of the story. And as I look back, that's the defining moment of my life. When I realized that it wasn't just something on a page, there was something in my head, but it's something that affected the rest of my life. When I accepted that Jesus Christ died for me, that my sins could be forgiven, that one Kairos moment affected the moments after that and the moments actually before as well. Following and trusting in Jesus that came to save me from my sins. John 10.10, 10, he talks about, you know, I had this, this desire for you, this hope, this dream that you would have a life and have a, a life that was full, that was abundant life, and that's God's desire for us. And his, his desire for us is to see this move from the virtual to the tangible in our world. So what would that look like when we fully realize that and we live that out? Maybe it, it is taking a step of faith and trusting in God and saying, God, I am not just believing in my head, but I'm living with my life, a life that is called and following you, the, the, the life that, that Jesus pointed to his disciples, and he said, follow me. Don't just believe, but live in, in your life. Trust in me in everything. Imitate me. But maybe some other things, as, as I've thought about this week, some ways that God's maybe calling you to do some things. When it's easier to just read about ways to serve and ways that other people have helped others, it's easier to read about it on the internet, but, but what if you actually put that into practice and did those things? It, it's, it's, easy to just, it's easy just to keep going as is, but God may be calling you to something new in your life. Maybe God's calling you to give up something that, that's leading you away from him. Stuff, habits, relationships. It's easier to just keep those things instead of to take the step of giving those things up. Maybe it's forgiving someone and receiving peace when it's much, much easier just to hold on to and to hate and to, and to have these feelings of unrest. Maybe God's calling you to sell something that has its grips on your life and is controlling you. Or maybe love others when condemnation is such a, a more natural option for us. Maybe he's calling us to be transparent when it's a lot easier to just be surface in your life. What is God calling you to in this, this stage of his life? What, what moments does he have in your life that he is drawing you out? And I hope that he's stirring something up inside of you because these Kairos moments are pivotal moments for all of us. And we have a choice in those moments. Are we going to listen and obey and follow? Or, or are we just going to just have head knowledge? Well, I know that I should do this. But God's calling us to put action to where his spirit is leading in us. So for Walter, there's this Kairos moment that had been defining for him. Uh, we find out in the movie that uh, he has this line, and I want to try to get it right here. He says, I used to have a mohawk, 
and a backpack and this idea of who I wanted to be and what I wanted to do. My dad died when I was 17 on a Tuesday, and we didn't have any savings, so I got a haircut that Thursday and a job that same Thursday. And so when that happened in his life, this this defining moment for him, he packed away the backpack. He put away the travel journal that his, his dad gave him, and he put it in a closet in storage. He got a job and just began to live out this secret world instead of the reality that God, that, it, that he'd been called to live and he'd felt drawn into. So this, these moments in the movie have called him out of that. Now we've got to come to kind of a conclusion. Where in the world is Sean? Well, we find out that he is in ungoverned Afghanistan and he is on, in search of the snow leopard. And uh, so Walter grabs the journal, grabs the backpack and begins to, to go a different direction in his life. Good lines from that. Beautiful things don't ask for attention. And then that, that line there at the end, just want to stay in the moment, not take pictures. We're pretty good about just wanting to take pictures today. We're picture-taking people. But I wonder if we, in the midst of all the picture-taking, to, that we miss the moments. And those moments don't have to happen in far-off lands. In fact, the picture was there all the time. I think about our kids, uh, went to NYC uh, a few weeks back. We've got camp coming up. We've got kids camp. We've got huge events. And God, man, God speaks pretty clearly in events like retreats, sometimes in services, and other big moments uh, of life. And he speaks in small moments as well. I was at NYC about a decade ago. And uh, at NYC, it's thousands of people. They're going back and forth. And you're seeing people from different phases of your life, youth workers, youth pastors, kids, and it's just like a sea of people that are moving back and forth. And there was a moment that had nothing to do with NYC, the event, this conference of kids worshiping and learning about, about Jesus. It, I saw this guy that had been a huge impact in my life. He was a youth pastor that wasn't my youth pastor, but he was one on the district. His name was James Amos. And in that kind of event, you're just constantly, your head's on a swivel. You're looking for different things and what's next and what's happening next. And James saw me in, this, in, in the, the hallway where there were hundreds of kids going back and forth. And he did something in that moment that was a Kairos moment for me. He locked eyes on me. Now, he knows probably 10 times more people than I do, and I know, knew several people. And so there was a temptation at first to just constantly look around for what's next and who's next and what are we doing next. But he just was locked in on me. And even though people were around and, and even saw things and there was glimmering, shimmering lights around and things that were happening next, but for at least 15 minutes, he just was like tunnel vision on me, asking questions and, and, and just kind of encouraging me and, and giving life words and it wasn't even about what he said, but he, he was just locked in. The just attention was there. I think sometimes, I thought about that, that moment. Sometimes I get so everywhere that I'm not locked in on Jesus. And I think God has some Kairos moments in our lives. And I think God has spoken to some of you at events and services, maybe in your car. And he is, he is calling you to something, maybe to change to a different way to act, to live, maybe a mission, a passion in your life. And that's stirring inside of you. But it stayed inside of you 
what's next? What are you going to do about that? You're going to put action to that. Are you going to make the step of, God, what do you want me, how do you want me to, 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 to make this real for others? There's moments that happen all throughout our day, okay? And we're so busy, we miss them. God's at work, and he's doing beautiful things. Are you going to be a part of those things? Are you going to be a part of those things? If you would, um, bow your heads, close your eyes. just want to ask you a few questions today. Do you have the time in your life? Have you created space to hear God? It takes some quiet. And there's some loud things out there. Do you have space that the Spirit can move? That He can convict? That He can call? That He can say, hey, say this, do this, go here, be this for someone else? Do you have the space in your life for that? And and the next question is this, what is he stirring right now? He's spoken to you, what are you gonna do about it? What are you gonna do about it? What's next, God? Lord, give me the next moment, the next thing to do, God, and I want to be obedient. You're calling and I want to answer that call. Jesus, Lord, thank you so much that you are a tangible God. You have given us the spirit the one that raised you from the dead lives in us and calls us and challenges us, Lord, and confirms and encourages us. And we have these moments that we can become more and more like you, God. Jesus, I pray for the person today that they have a Kairos moment that has defined them and it's not a good moment. Maybe they're plagued by the past, things that they have said or or, or done things, ways that people have hurt them. And those moments have just sent them down a path of destruction and hurt. And they, they, they can't get past that. And quite honestly, they believe in you, but they don't believe that you have forgiven them. Or they don't believe enough in you to trust you to ask for it. Jesus, I pray right now and, and seats across this room, Lord, that the people would take a step Or that they would say, God, I put my faith in you. Put my trust in you. I hear you calling me, and I want to respond. Lord, I give you my life. Lord, forgive me of my sin, and there are too many to count. I don't want to be defined by those things anymore. I don't want the past to plague me and to bring me down to death, destruction, to hurting others, and to myself. God, I need a hope and a future, and I know that can be found in you. God, help me to take the next step. Lord, come into my life. I want to live for you, Jesus. Lord, I pray for those right now that are in the room, God, that you have stirred in them a long time, a mission and a passion for others or helping or serving, Lord, and they just have sat on it. God, I pray that they would take the next step. For for those in the room that they know there's some things, some character things, some, some things that they're doing, Lord, that they're leading down the wrong directions, Lord. They felt convicted, God, but they haven't put action behind that conviction. Lord, I pray for courage today. God, thank you. Thank you you don't give up on us. You continue to give us moments. Lord, help us to seek those out daily, Lord. Help us to find a still place, not just on Sundays, but daily. Lord, we can have fellowship and communion with you. 
Lord, that our relationship can grow and our hearts can align with who you are and what you've called us to be, Jesus. God, thank you for this place called the church that we can live this out together, Lord. Jesus, we lift these things and these prayers up to you now in your name, amen, amen. If you prayed that prayer today of saying, hey, I'm putting my faith in Jesus. I've said it and thought it and, and maybe wrote it down or believed it at one point, but I'm not living it and I wanna start living it. Just, just encourage you to see a pastor here afterwards, talk to a friend and say, I wanna take the next steps. I know God's telling me this, this, and this, this, and I need to, to do, do, do now. As we come to this place in the service, let's just spend a little time. Maybe you just wanna connect with God. And, and as we sing, as we praise God and acknowledge Him, He's the one that goes before us. He's the one that's with us and all these things. Would you join us and sing?